Emil is, I asked him how I could introduce him. He said, just tell them I'm the crazy Egyptian in town. So Emil is an Egyptian. Um, he's an artist. He's a creative. He is a passionate person with a deep love for God. And he's a dear friend of mine. So I'm really excited for you to hear what Emil has to say. I want to give a quick recap on the last two weeks and just talk about where we've come and where we are right now. So if you recall, the first week we started talking and we asked the question, why are we talking about this? What are we talking about? We laid some parameters for what immigrant and refugee are and we talked about the biblical conviction behind this that at the core of this conversation, we believe God is God. And he is worthy of not only glory and honor and worship and praise, but also obedience. And the scriptures clearly outline that this is a command to love the stranger in the land among us. Uh, just curious, did anyone read all 40 of those scriptures on that little bookmark? A couple of you, some of them maybe. If you get a chance and you didn't pick one up, I can get you one or you can find it online. Um, it's a great thing just to see what, what God says about the immigrant and the stranger in the land. So first week we talked about that. We talked about some of our theology and threw some scripture up there. Um, we talked about how we view God. We talked about our anthropology, how we view each other. Uh, Michelle mentioned the parable of the Good Samaritan and, and we are to love our neighbor. And, and uh, we talked about this idea that this command to love the stranger among us, like all of God's command, they're not just an authoritative demand with nothing behind them because God's God and you're not. They reveal something about the heart of God. His commands teach us who God is, and in turn, they help us understand who we are and who we can become in Christ. So when we love the stranger among us, when we set aside some of our money for the Levites and the vulnerable, the poor, the widow, the orphan, like they were commanded in the Old Testament, we learn something about the nature and character of God, and we learn how we can live into his being and being more Christ-like. Last week, Michelle really... She brought the heat, I think, and she, did anyone else feel like after Michelle spoke last week, we kind of had permission uh, to think this way about our, our friends living with us? I, I'm not sure how else to say this, but Michelle presented some statistics and some facts that maybe helped us rethink some of the perspectives a lot of people in the United States have towards immigrants and refugees here. She said some things like $15.1 billion are contributed annually in, in tax, income tax, towards United States government from illegal immigrants. So very interesting stuff she laid out. I want to just make a quick note. It's really great to have someone like Michelle provide us with some statistics and data about how it's okay to, to love folks in, a, in this country because maybe not everyone is dangerous, maybe not everyone is a drain on economy. It's okay to love them. Uh, and if that were not the case and the statistics were totally reversed, I just want to push this out there, the command doesn't change. It's actually still there. Um, I know my, my conviction and my personal obedience, or however you want to call it, holiness, I kind of need some data to help back up God's commands sometimes. And, you know, I, I pray for more faith and ask God to give me more conviction because there are going to be times in the future and there are times now when we'll be staring face to face with someone, a widow, an orphan, a stranger, an alien, our mom, or dad, or sister, brother, who doesn't deserve our grace and love and acceptance and hospitality. And even there are people like that in the United States right now who are immigrants and refugees. And yet the command still applies. And I would argue even in those circumstances, those provide even more opportunity for us to become 
more like Christ. Uh, that story highlights a little bit what we talked about with grace. We talked about how God's grace and his love compels us to love the immigrant and the refugee. And Michelle and I had a nice, healthy struggle in front of all of you all, where I tried to argue that this naturally happens when we pray and ask God. And Michelle said, no, this doesn't naturally happen. This is a struggle. We wrestle. It's hard. Um, but going back to the point about grace, really at the heart of this conversation when and if we can understand the grace of God, we can then be gracious towards our neighbors. And with the measure of grace we have towards ourselves and the measure of understanding of God's grace that we, we can see and grasp how far off we were when he came to us and how wretched we are without his love and forgiveness, then that can be coming out of us, into the world, into our neighbors, our families, our friends. The last thing I wanted to just kind of draw a parallel is uh, sometimes when I read the Old Testament, and maybe this is the same with you guys, some of these commands seem wacky and a little outdated and out of context. Like, love the stranger among you. Uh, it's different, though. Old Testament, you know, there's movement of peoples. It's not the same. Don't mix wool and cotton. What's with that one? Like, don't make sure your donkey is tied up, otherwise kill the guy whose donkey got away. Some of these commands are really weird and they seem outdated. And where I'm going with this, God's commands, again, always reveal something about the nature and character of God and about who we can become and how we ought to be in Christ. So I want to just argue again one more time. This command, very clear command, the word ger, it's used so many times in the Old Testament. This is revealing something about who God is and revealing something about how and who we can be in Christ when His Spirit enables us. And uh, so the example I like to use is there are these funky commands in the Old Testament about sacrifice and worship. And you bring a pigeon, if you're in this income bracket, and we kill animals and we burn them, and it lifts this smell that is pleasing to God. And that seems really funky to me. What is God getting after with asking us to bring sacrifice to him? Well, contextually, we can go into why that makes sense with what worship looked like in the context of, uh, of that time period. But more so, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, right? Christ came and said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. In me, the whole law is made complete. Um, so with this testament to bring sacrifices, a pleasing sacrifice, Jesus comes and Paul completes this thought later in Romans and he says, you are to offer your lives, your eating, your sleeping, your going to sleep as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. So Old Testament sacrifice doesn't go away. It's still here. But now we understand in Jesus that our lives, our words, our thoughts, this is the sacrifice that is a pleasing aroma to Christ. And so that, that parallel makes sense to me and I'm always asking God, open my eyes more to these other parallels that I don't quite see yet. Like, how is loving the stranger, how does that make sense to me? How is setting aside the, a tenth of my field so that the, the poor among us can come and harvest grain for themselves? How does that translate to now? So, all right, that's enough for me. Um, thank you guys for being here. My friend Emil is going to speak now, and I encourage you to open your heart. Uh, Emil, like many of our friends in this country who didn't grow up here, brings so many gifts to us. And so, yeah, Emil, thanks for being here. Thank you. Sabah al-khair. Hey. I said sabah al-khair. You say sabah and noor. Sabah means morning and noor means light in Arabic. 
Arabic is my first language. I'm not American. I'm not raised up in the Western world. I'm Egyptian, born and raised in Egypt, and uh, privileged and blessed to know the Lord when I was young, when I was 14. And um, I'm here. <laughs> For many reasons, you will hear and while we're speaking today. But, as Bobby was saying, I'm not the quiet kind of person. I'm not the kind of person that stands here and, um, and start talking about different things. And I'm not. And even my thing doesn't work, you see? <laughs> Interesting. Oh, here it comes. I'm not here to present this presentation. And if you're expecting a formula, if you're expecting that I will give you one, two, three, four, here's what you need to do, here's how you love the people, here's... Nah, 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 nah. Sorry, guys, you're in the wrong place. You could leave. I won't be offended. I won't, I won't have heart broken or anything of the sort. Could we pray before we start? Because I believe we're here. Because the Holy Spirit is talking to each one of us. The Holy Spirit is first talking to me to tell you certain things. You will never receive what I'm going to say except if the Holy Spirit speaks it to your heart. I challenge you in this. And uh, I apologize, if I may, for my weakness as a person, but not for anything that the Holy Spirit will let me say to you today. If it is from the Holy Spirit, you test it, you judge it, you think it's right or wrong. If it is from me, I apologize if I put myself as a barrier between you and what the Holy Spirit wants to tell every single one of us today. Ready for the journey? I like the smiles. Wow, coffee kicks really well. I had three this morning, that's why I'm energetic. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for being here today. Lord, we ask your presence in the middle of this room. We ask you to touch every single person sitting here, Lord, including myself. Lord, we're here to learn from you. And we ask the Holy Spirit to talk to each one of us. I pray over every person in this room that the power of the Holy Spirit will be touching our hearts, our minds, and turning us to be the kingdom people that you want us to be. We bless your name, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for being here. And we just say it out loud. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. I love using the word loving, although I know it carries a lot of different meanings. And loving doesn't mean in 2016 what Jesus wanted it to look like or mean. So we all have different perspectives of love that hardly touch what God wants us to know about love. And that's because of many things. And we will go through this quickly we will know why we are who we are together. We will know why we stand 
in certain positions. And okay, then how could I get out of that? What comes next? The terrorists are coming. What should I do? <laughs> and I'm one of those terrorists. So please, if you want to hate those terrorists, come pour it on me. I am the Middle Eastern look like. I go into coffee shops and I receive those looks like... And uh, funny enough, I was having a dinner with one of my very close friends. She's a PhD scholar and uh, one of those and doing a lot of projects in the community and coming from the New York world. And we're having dinner in a very fancy, nice restaurant. You know, one of those that you have to watch out how you sit on the... <laughs> and the guy sitting beside us, she's half Egyptian, half... I don't know what, she has three, four different passports. Lebanese, uh, Sudanese, American. She has all of those passports in her purse. And she looks like American, 100% American. Okay? And I, we're having dinner, and this guy's sitting there with his son and his, the girlfriend of the son, and he's like, we should get those Syrians out of here. Those are bad people. I don't know how they allow them here. Did they check them? Do they hear their phone calls? Do they do something to make sure those crazy guys are not going to blow us here? <laughs> My friend got really intimidated and she didn't like it. And we didn't see each other for five years. And we used to do ministry, a lot of ministry together in North Africa. But she was so offended and we decided, okay, I'll drop you home and let's go back. And I drove back to Coral Springs. And I was thinking, where did this come from? Why is this there? And what should we, the kingdom people, do to that? Let's know where we stand. Because where we stand is very important for us to know what should come next. How should we take an action? How should we relate to what's there? Anybody has a TV at home? I thought everybody would say, sorry, I have five, seven, <laughs> six. I met some people have TVs in the restroom. So I've been to some of those interesting houses here. And <laughs> you have a TV every corner. I don't know why, what's going on. Maybe the stock market or something. But the TV is simply a screen to what we call what? Can you see that repeated word? Media. I've been an art director. I've been doing a lot of media production in my life. And I know how to manipulate minds. We could create a three-minute video that will let you think Jesus never happened. Media people are experts in this. Media people could convince you that your faith is trash in less than 30 seconds. Media people could tell you that you are in a horrible situation. Or you're the king of the kings. And I am God. I met a lot of those since I moved here. <laughs> we don't have those back home because everybody talks about Allah. Allah. You heard the word Allah? Christians and Muslims speak about Allah in the Middle East. That's the name of God. By the way, that's not an Islamic word. 
that comes from the generation before Christianity, before Jesus, that was the God of the moon. And Christians came in, didn't know what to talk about when they wanted to share about Jesus, when Mark got on the camel from where he was with Jesus and drove the camel to Egypt. And Egypt turned to be a Christian country, early times, early years after Jesus. And when he delivered the message, the whole nation turned to know Allah, because this was the only name they knew about God. Those were the guys running around the Arab Peninsula. They used the word Allah for this big being up there. So Christians used Allah. Four or five hundred years later, Muslims used Allah. So Allah is not a terrorist word. Allah is the name of God. Okay? So, media makes you think Allah is, ooh, the word for those fanatic Muslims. Right? When you heard the word Allah, ooh, this must be a Muslim movement in America. This is what's printed in the Arabic Bible. This is the Bible I've been reading all my life. It has the word Allah. So it doesn't belong to Muslims. It belongs to anybody who speaks Arabic. To know that there's a God, it's called Allah. Hey, easy. Piece of cake. Media is convincing us with a lot of stuff, whether we know it's true or not. We think it is true because we heard it on TV. Right? Right? Many times we hear things on TV and we think, yeah, 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 that's right. That must have been right. Because it's just on the screen. No, guys. From Insider, working with media, I've been producing documentary movies and a lot of that stuff. We can mess with people's stuff, with minds. And the big game in media is how far you mess with the minds. How far you let people watch your channel. How far you grab the attention of people. How far you let them be your followers. This is media. And as it's more successful in what it does, it's more successful in the interest, in the statistics, how far it made people believe in certain things. Does media present Bible? Sometimes. I've been also working in Christian media, <laughs> and we presented the gospel, so I assume that's a good thing. I assume that's something people need to hear. Why am I saying this? The media, since Second World War, or maybe First World War, started communicating a lot about this picture. Anybody? Especially the older generation have seen this picture quite a lot in the media. The fight between the Jew and the Arabs. And they always present the nice little two boys eh, hugging each other. There's peace. Vague, not there. The Western world media was presenting one thing. Palestinians killing Jews. And I'm not here to talk politics. I'm an artist. So you could imagine. I use the wrong side of the brain. The side that politics use, politicians use, it's not the side I use. So I'm messed up. Okay? So please receive the crazy Egyptian talk today. This had been a big, big, big dilemma. Documentaries, 
and uh, videos of the poor Jew woman that their kids have been killed and their men have been destroyed, right? Isn't this what has been in the media in the Western world for the last 50 years? The opposite was there in the Arab world. The monasters called the Jew people, those who claim to know God, who have been killing those poor kids. I have a friend who's a journalist, photographer, assigned anywhere in the world. He's one of those. And they flew him into Palestine to take certain pictures. He's a born-again Christian, Christ follower, unfortunately, because it hurt him. When he reached Palestine, he's half American, half South African, with a white skin, so he looks like American. Arrived, took him by this land cruiser from the airport, into those places where the Palestinians are packed together in those little messy houses. And all of a sudden, those women coming out from this room, they put them on the road, sprayed them with blood, they started weeping and crying, and the kids are thrown on the floor. said, please take pictures. And he said, take pictures of what? Take pictures of the reality. This is what the bombing of the Jew people is doing to us, the Israelis. He said, really? I didn't see any bombing happening. I just had tea, and I'm here now to enjoy taking pictures. And it's the same thing happening more and more and more. That's media. That's media. Messing up with the minds in the Middle East, energizing them against the West, the ugly policing West, and the media is telling everybody there that those Americans are bad. You, huh? You, you're bad. If you didn't know that, here's your chance to know. You're bad. And don't wear the flag on the T-shirt, because you might be kidnapped for this flag. And then, here in the West, Everybody is ISIS, right? You think all of a sudden ISIS is a problem? ISIS is not a problem. I am a Middle Eastern. I'm coming from Arab countries. I've been raised there. This ISIS thing has been there since my grandpa was born. It wasn't called ISIS by that time. It was called something else. Hamas, Hezbollah, Muslim Brotherhood. You know why you think ISIS is bad? Because they have amazing, interesting media team working for them full-time from England. That's why you know about ISIS. You never heard about ISIS except last four years, right? Because the same guys were doing the uh, Al-Nasriya in uh, Lebanon, Hezbollah in uh, Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. They were using different names. And they didn't have this interesting media team. Sorry, they were very late to start using the media to mess more with the Western minds. Did they do what you've seen on screen? Some of it, yes, some of it is vague. Am I defending them? No. Let me tell you this. I've been in Muslim ministry almost all my life. Before leaving Egypt, I learned what fear means. I've been interrogated three times in one month, and every single time in those interrogations, I didn't know if I'm going to be alive or not. I left home saying bye to my wife and son with tears in our eyes because we knew that I'm going to be killed. Because this is what happens in the secret police offices in Egypt. 
when you are accused of evangelizing Muslims. So if you're talking about fear, I was raised as the minority that believe in Jesus in Egypt, and we know that we are going to be one day pulled into this black van that you see in the movies. This is our everyday life. One of my best friends that I worked with in ministry for 13 years, his son was taken for a week, tortured 24-7 for a week by one of those vans. And after the week, he was thrown on roads because his father is involved in ministry. Not him. The boy wasn't involved in ministry. The boy was a 16-year-old boy that wasn't involved in ministry. Who's doing this? It's the police that should take care of us. Till today, when a police car passed by me on the road, my heart booms. Because I've been born, raised in a country that if a police car is close to me, this means bad things are going to happen. I might be shot. They stop by your side in the traffic if we ever stop. If you've ever been to Cairo. Anybody have been to Cairo? Okay. We, we barely stop in the lights. Barely. <laughs> You stop only if you see from a distance a police guy and he's going to ask for a bribe. Not give you a ticket, he's going to ask for a bribe. <laughs> and they come close by you, boom, boom, in your head, and they keep driving. Gun, sorry. <laughs> Those interrogations, we know, if you come alive out of it, they throw you in a cell with five to six Muslim Brotherhood guys. And they tell them, by the way, he was preaching Muslims. Imagine, he's going against Allah. He's, he is the infidel. Bye. Next morning in the report, there was a fight between the prisoners. And a guy died. Sorry. Bad luck. What I'm trying to say here... We've been raised with a lot of impact of the media on our minds and our hearts, including us Christians, including us Christ followers, including us people soaked in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We, have, we are under the same influence. We are not isolated. Yes, I know the culture here in America. Again, crazy, America, uh, crazy Egyptian talking to the Americans. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean it this way. It's the crazy Egyptian. I know you love living in the capsulated cocoons. I know that. I understand it from the neighbors when we bought the house. They made it very clear that they keep... Uh, you're from Egypt? Hi, <laughs> hi, hi. Stay there. Don't cross the line. We don't want any terrorists. We don't know where your machine gun is. <sighs> Let me give you the completely different face of the Arab world. Arab world is more rich in many, 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 many ways and resources than America. <laughs> Funny, huh? This is a guy who parked his Mercedes. Gold. This is real gold. Mercedes in Dubai. I've been there in Dubai and got around those nice hotels. This is the other guy who knows this car, who's into cars. Is it a Bentley? Yeah. And it's silver! Pure silver Bentley. Okay? That's not only in Dubai. By the way, this is one side of Dubai. So the city, this is one city in Middle East. 
Many Arab countries are now trying to imitate the architecture, the design, and I'll tell you why I'm saying all of this in a minute. And we are in Egypt building a new Cairo that will look exactly the same like Dubai, but for you to understand, this is Cairo. So they are not like the guys with covered faces, machine guns running around the streets. You're infidel! No, it's not. I lived in a, in a neighborhood in Cairo where most of the foreigners, diplomats lived. And I've seen the lifestyle. Because when you get your dollar overseas, it gets doubled because poor you, you're living in this crazy country. So the petroleum companies pay them more. And then you do multiply it by 8.5 to get it in Egyptian pounds. So all of a sudden, the guy that was here barely making it, he's a millionaire living in Egypt. So they do weird things. Not only Amer all Westerners <laughs> in petroleum section. But there's one side. This is 5% of the Arab world. Okay. 35% of the Arab world is like this. That starts forming in your minds why things are like it is now. It's a planned thing. Over the last 50 to 60 years, they planned that 30 to 50 percent of the population of the Arab world not to be educated. You always hear that the doctors who come from the Middle East are really good. And they have four or five PhDs from England. So what's wrong? The wrong thing is the other proportion that you never hear about. This proportion is almost 35%. That, that's by statistics in the country of Egypt only. Egypt is the biggest Arabic country. It has 90 million population. Cairo, where I lived, is 20 million population city. One of the biggest three cities in the world. Okay? And this was one, for example, we started an organization called Children of Hope, and we were doing work with the needy, underprivileged street kids. Why we do this? Because those are 35% of the community, while 52% of the Egyptian community, for example, is under 15 years old. So imagine the percentages. If those are asked to be recruited in ISIS, given a woman, ooh, given $100,000, giving security for the rest of their lives, what would they do? Answer me. What would they do? They will join. Why American people, European people, going to join ISIS? Did you hear about that? That there are some Americans, some European people going to join ISIS in Syria and Iraq and... You heard about this. Why do they join them? They can't find a job. The maximum they can do, they can be cashiers in Walmart. This is the maximum. I'm not underestimating cashiers in Walmart, but that's not a good paid job. It's, you're not really appreciated. You don't get the right amount of money when you do this. You get the minimum wage. Right? Imagine if I come and tell you, hey, $50,000. You just go there, bomb this, two months will get you back. And maybe in six months we'll hire you again. What would a kid like this was sniffing whatever here would do? That's the same thing. 
And the problem is, those are a lot. There are cities called garbage cities. If you've ever been to Cairo, Egypt, you know what garbage cities is. Those where they go and recruit people, and plus many other places. And I'm giving you Egypt as an example. I'm not saying that's the whole thing. Can you see anything behind the broken glass? Can you see anything? Sorry, the light is a bit... Uh... Yeah, that's a beautiful Saudi woman. That's the mindset in Islam. Women should hide. This is part of Sharia law, Islam mindset. I won't get there in detail because we don't have the time. The previous shot is a mindset of the women, of how they see, perceive women. So they underestimate women. The Bible never said underestimate women. The Bible said, what about women? They're equal to men, right? So what happens is, women, many women in Islam are neglected. Many women in Islam are under a lot of pressure. By Islamic law, a man could marry four at the same time. As long as he is good in giving enough time for the four of them. He had built agreement between the four of them, then he's fine. That's the law. That's Sharia law. Does this mean people do this? No, because they don't, can't afford it. Because <laughs> opening four houses with four women, that's a big challenge. Then came the revolution that you heard about, the Arab Spring, na 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 na. I, I never call it Arab Spring, because it's not a spring. Maybe it's winter. <laughs> but uh, people were oppressed. People were pressured, especially those I just told you about. So they came out on the streets, like yelling out loud, help us. Save us. We want to be out of this. Is this Islam? We don't want it. Did you hear this sentence? Many of them said, is this Islam? We don't want it. I used one of the ways we did ministry in Egypt. Uh, me and the friend that went to Palestine, we started a photography club. And uh, I'm, I'm, one of the things I do is being a photographer. And this club turned to be 400 members. 365 of those are Muslims. Five are Coptic Orthodox. Not born-again Christians. And those are very open-minded, very intellectual, very well-off, educated. Most of them own businesses, good, nice businesses. One of those guys is very close a friend of mine. He owns the company who, build, who builds airports in the Arab world. So they're doing well. They have their masters from Europe or from America. What happens here? They take me out to Starbucks. We have Starbucks. <laughs> and we have even better places. I don't like Starbucks, by the way. <laughs> we have a lot much better coffee stores in the Middle East. And he takes me out and says, can you tell me why you're feeling peaceful about what's going on? How do you see this? How are you different? If this is really 
the Islam, everybody in the world is campaigning, I don't want it. And in, by the way, in the Middle East, all of those movements are not campaigned as Islamic movements. Here, the media is telling the Western world it's an Islamic movement. In the Middle East, it's a political movement against the regime. It has nothing to do with Islam. But when the Muslim Brotherhood took over Egypt, many of the secular Muslims started saying, What? Is this Islam that we've been following? If that's it, I don't want it. I know a friend of mine took off her veil. That's a big thing. <laughs> that's not like, oh, women are free to do whatever they think. No, she's not free to do whatever she wants to do. She took off her veil and she said, I don't want it anymore. That's the revolution in Egypt. That's what you think of every terrorist Arab in the Middle East, right? When you hear the word Middle Eastern Arabs, and I'm not blaming you, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm trying to prove a point. That this is what the media is convincing everybody. Isn't this what you think of the Arabs in the Middle East? Right? Right? Anybody is brave enough to say no, or yes, or I have a different... Please! Thank you. You know, you're one of very few that said this sentence whenever I presented this. And um, we grow up as Christ followers in the Middle East thinking if we open our mouth, this is even told to us directly. The five times the, the prayer call in the mosque is broadcasted right away. That we are pigs because we're Christ followers. We are to be destroyed. God hates us. And God himself is going to destroy every Jewish and Christian person in the world. That's what being campaigned. So you grow up with the fear. You grow up thinking that Muslims are the people that has it all. And we should be shut up in our homes. Good that they at least allowed us to live. This is the mindset that keeps being thrown on us. Then we've seen those when ISIS came with a nice uh, British team and did their presentations about the killings, and they showed us all of this in the world, right? And we've seen it video happening. Those were alive at one moment, they're dead. And even those 21 Coptic Christian guys were slaughtered on TV, right? What happens when this all is impacted or thrown on us. What happens? Yeah. Fear. I want to pause here. Fear is from the enemy. Fear is not for kingdom-oriented people. Fear is not for Christ followers. Fear is against the work of the Holy Spirit. Fear is not for us sitting in this room. Fear is the enemy's game to keep us aside. He is kicking us out of the game, and when we receive fear, we tell the enemy, oh yeah, yeah, you, you, you handle the game. We're on the side, we're watching from a distance. We're not there. I'm not involved. I hope they leave. All Syrians should leave! Remember the nice hair 
with all Syrians should leave? Fear, what the Bible said about fear is what casts all fears. What is that? Love. What does this mean? Anybody has an idea what love in this verse means? Do you love your kids? Moms here. Fathers. Fathers. You love the kids, right? Would you die for them? If I come as a Middle Eastern, grab my gun, point it to her head, you're sitting there, what you will do? Exactly. Yeah. You will do your best to take me out before this happens because you won't allow this to happen. You don't want to see this. If I come and say, I'll take your baby, somebody from my team is pointing a gun to your head, and I tell you, I'll take your baby, you will never see it. What would you do? Mama bear. Mama bear. He'll take you out with him. Exactly. <laughs> Many people in this room want to take me out. I thought new life is about love of Jesus. Oh my, thank God I attend new life up north. Oh my. The fear that the enemy is trying to throw on us is not from God, is not from the Bible, is not what we should live as kingdom-oriented people. But the media, with its fear, is not telling us this. It's telling us what? It's telling us, you have all the right to have fear. You should think wise. We should screen those. We should get them out of the country. We should, we should. And we are convinced. And we sit together around the Broncos game with our nice beer. We say, yeah. We have to do something to those guys. We can't. Can you believe they will be here in God's Springs? I can't. I can't. I believe in one thing. The Lord is moving people. You American guys were the ones who started the 1040 window, right? Anybody from this generation of the 1040 window prayers? And meetings and revivals for 24, 1040 window. 1040 is a part of the world. From line 10 to line 40, where the majority of unreached people groups are in this world. Americans were one of the very pioneers who started this prayer movement in the world. You prayed and prayed and prayed. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come to the 1040 window. So he replied back saying, okay, I'm sending them to you. You can get there. Okay, I'm sending them to your backyard. Receive it. <laughs> You're my people. I want you to show them my love. And then, no, 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 no. They stay there. We smuggle, as Bobby said, we smuggle the Bibles there. But we don't go there. Maybe Brother Andrew will do it with his Open Doors organization. And we will throw them the money that will be deducted from our tax money. Hey, 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 we're doing good here. I'm not underestimating what you're doing, guys. I've been involved in Muslim ministry all my life, since I was a kid. And without the Western money, we couldn't have smuggled Bible. 
We couldn't have reached out many people. We couldn't have carried the equipment into the villages in the Biqa' part of Lebanon where all of Hezbollah is to start doing a worship concert there and sharing about Jesus. We wouldn't. Because the Middle East didn't have the money to do it. So you gave the money. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. I respect every single person of you who had been doing this in your life, supporting ministries in the Middle East. Your parents have been doing this. Your grandparents, your grand-grand-grandparents have been doing this. You should be proud. But please, don't crowd now. You should be proud of what you've been doing, and you should be proud of what's coming next. The Lord is sending them here. And you know what? You hear about the visions and dreams with the Muslims, right? You hear about those? I, I, I receive those firsthand from the Muslims who come to the Lord. So they come and share those stories with me. And you know what I always share when I share a story of those visions and dreams? We didn't take an action. So the Lord himself had to show himself to them because we didn't take the action. He decided, okay, I will speak. You are sitting at your homes watching Broncos only? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I will speak to them. If you're not willing to speak to them, I will speak to them. The love that we talked about here, that love cast all fear. If she said, I will try to take you out. She's a woman, and I gave her the example, the story of Middle Eastern fat man like myself coming with a gun towards her and another guy pointing a gun to her, and I said, I'm going to take the baby. You're beautiful. (laughs) And she decided to be the mama bear. She knows she's not going to win the game if this happens with many people around. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to do different things that we ever imagined. And we are not in a fight. Guys, we are not in a fight. The media is telling us we're in a fight. We are not. We are only in a spiritual fight. The Bible says our fight, and you heard this the last two weeks, the Bible says our fight is not with flesh and blood. Um, We're not fighting with the people. Let me show you something very quick. I know you want to leave in 10 minutes, but there's a huge difference between Muslims and Islam. Huge difference. What? Yeah. Yeah. A huge difference between Muslims and Islam. They are not the same thing. Islam is a stronghold. Islam is a spirit by the enemy with the high ranks in the enemy's army. This is Islam. What are Muslims? Are the people who fell under the impact of this spirit. And we sit, cross hands and say, hmm, Bad people. Terrorists. God hates them. I know church. I, I travel around America sometimes. And uh, I met a very nice, amazing guy in one of the Bible Belt <laughs> churches. I love this word. <laughs> the Bible Belt. He's on the mission board of one of those churches. A lot bigger than New Life Church. A lot bigger. You go into the main building, the main campus, 
you're going into an empire. It's like, oh, what's going on? And they invited me to go and speak the crazy Egyptian to their mission school or Sunday school. And, um, and a guy came to me and he said, you know our other branch of the church here in downtown? We have classes for teaching people how to shoot their guns. And I said, why is that? Is this mentioned somewhere in the Bible? He said, no, we're preparing them to be ready for what comes next. And I said, what comes next? Is there something I'm missing here? What comes next is our prayers. What comes next is our heart and passion and compassion for the people the Lord is sending to our backyard. What comes next is the love that we need to receive from the Lord Jesus to share it with others. This is what comes next. All my neighbors think I'm crazy because I didn't buy yet my gun. And I have two of those long, uh, you call them decorated military people. One on the right side and one on the left side. Those are my neighbors. I love them. And one was the head of the fire force for the Colorado. So he is like people worship the floor or the grounds he walks on. Because, you know, we all love the first responders. Without them, we'll be in trouble. I said, Emil, sorry, let me tell you this. In our neighborhood, you have to have your gun. You have to let all the neighbors know that you have your guns there. And I said, oh, yeah, I have a gun. He said, really? I said, yeah, I believe in Jesus. <laughs> and he said, yeah, <laughs> you're one of those stupid people. <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't say the words, but it was almost, I can read it on his lips. So we are the stupid people that we should follow the Holy Spirit in our love to our neighbors. The Lord is sending them here to this land because you know what you guys who created the 1040 window called the lands there? I've been so much involved in Christian organizations all my life, so I know all of those nice expressions. The closed borders, right? Did, ever, did you ever hear this sentence before? The closed borders. Closed borders means you cannot go and do God's work in the country. So God said, okay, you really want to do the work? Okay, let me send you those guys. <laughs> Here they are. And then we said, no, no, no. You took it serious. Come on. <laughs> you don't understand what's going to happen to the dem demographic picture in America. Let me explain to you. You're wasting our country. This country, since day one, it started as immigrants, right? Can anybody deny this? Who's your grandpa's? It's immigrants. Now we have a problem with one kind of immigrants coming to this country. But it had been always immigrants. Unless you come from Indian, American background, then you're an immigrant. Immigrants, right? I had a lot on this presentation to share with you. But I want to leave you with one thing. When we don't show the love of Jesus to our neighbors that he is sending to our nation, we are wrong. When we don't show the love of Jesus to our neighbors, we are wrong. 
you come to those gatherings because you think there's a formula. There's a one, two, three, four, how to do it with Muslim people. We can talk about things about Muslims. We can do two, three sessions with a lot of fun, with a lot of walking around the hall, with a lot of food and drinks and coffee, later on if you're interested. But guys, those people who come to America are the same people Jesus died for on the cross. They are not the lost ones that lost track. No, they're not. They're not the ones that Jesus wonder, did I die for those or I didn't get it. They are doing bad stuff. Guys, 95% of the Muslims in the world, what we call secular Muslims. Secular Muslims means you will find that you know a lot about Islam more than them. I come from Muslim country. I know what I'm talking about. So please trust me in this. Not every Middle Eastern person you see in Walmart is a terrorist. No. They're exactly like you. They want to grow their kids, see them one day graduate from college, have the wonderful job, have the good car, American dream, the nice house. They want this. That's why they left. Another thing to know. When they first moved here, this is the season, the window, the part in their lives when they are very vulnerable. Very vulnerable. I was talking with the head of the Muslim society, um, former one, the guy we'll have in a few comments. I was talking to Glenn, and Glenn was talking to him, Glenn Peckham. And the guy said very interesting thing that made me think, yes, yes, we have to work hard. He left the position as the former director because he noticed those people are starting gradually but surely turn to be more and more into the fanatic side, the heads of the society. Why is that? Because they arrive here, first six months they're vulnerable. They're looking for anybody to help them, anybody. If you knock their door at that time and say, hey, I'm here to help you, how can I help you? Uh, you need to move this couch? Okay, let me help you. I have a truck. I'll, I'll move your truck. Oh, the kids, let me take your kids, play with our kids, till you settle your stuff in your home. Let me get you the American nice brownies. <laughs> Knock the door and get them brownies, your neighbors. Brownies has nothing to do with halal food or not. Halal is only the meat, so you don't need to worry. It's fine. Get them fruits. What I'm saying here, show them the love. Receive them. When we do this in the first six months, when they arrive, we win their hearts. So when the guy comes from the mosque in Fillmore, from the board there, that I know them, start messing with their minds, they say, no, but you know this guy, this crazy Egyptian we met, he's good. We know he's Christian, but he's good. It's okay. It opens the door. It's okay. Think creatively what you could do for those Arabs coming in. You know how to be friends with anybody? Did you ever be friends with anybody in your life? Right? Do you have friends? So you know how to make friends, right? Be friends with them. They're exactly like you. They walk on two legs. They eat. They drink. They get rid of what they ate. 
they drive their cars, they have their homes, they want to send their kids to schools, and they're worried about the future. Anybody in this room has a little bit of worry about the future? Can you raise your hand? A little bit, 5% worry about the future. 5%. I know, I know we're all angels, we never worry, we never concern. They have the same. So you could start from this point saying, you know, I'm concerned about what comes next. I'll start thinking. And I know that Allah or God is taking care of me. He'll look at you. Another thing about Muslims and Islam, final thing, they never learned love. Islam in its core has nothing to do with love. God is not love. God has 99 names in Islam. 99 names. Amazing names. Five of them is killer, destroyer, uh, all of this blah, blah, blah. Okay. The rest are amazing names. None talks about love. And we come with one thing. God is? God is what? Are you embarrassed to say that your God is love? Say it out loud. God is love. And love casts all fears. Don't receive the fears from the media. Go to your neighbor and shake hands. Me and my wife would just walk to any family in the Walmart or Costco. Hey, you speak Arabic? Dumbest thing you could ever do. You're from the Arab world? Yeah. Hi, we're from Egypt. Where are you from? And next week they are our, at our home having dinner with us. Tonight we're having dinner with a Lebanese family we met in Walmart. And another Algerian family we met at the trail where we do our hiking, me and my wife. I know I don't look like doing hiking. <laughs> this is a little bit of a lie. My wife does it. I follow her sometimes and then I sit on the side waiting till she comes back from the next five miles. And when we were waiting on the side, this nice Algerian family walked by, speaking Arabic. So I said, hey, 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 you're Arabs? Where are you from? Coffee, food, drinks, friendship. I know the time is off two days ago, but... I'm here to let you receive from the power of the Holy Spirit. This is my role, only role today. Those are people that God died for on the cross. Don't believe the lies coming from the media. Not all of it is lies. You stupid Middle Eastern, you don't understand the facts. Okay. There are some facts. Please take them, put them in the Holy Spirit, and act upon what the Holy Spirit tells you. That's all what I'm asking you to do. Don't act upon the nice, sweet judge sitting on Focus Channel telling you with her nice, appealing moves and body language that makes you think a certain way. We are not called to do this. We are the kingdom people. We are the people who carry the power of the Holy Spirit. We are the people to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. When you meet somebody on the road, smile to them. Don't do what they do to the Arabs in town. I don't want to tell you those stories, because we don't have time. But smile to them. Go to them and say, Ahlan. Can you say Ahlan or Marhaba? 
It's welcoming. You just say marhaba. It will blow their minds. You know why? Because their media is telling them that you hate them 100%. And they think they're living here in a hated setup with a hated community. That's why they close and they build their shields. And then comes the guy from the board of the mosque in Fillmore, start messing with their minds. While they knew nothing about Islam before. Nothing. We're here because we are the people of the Bible. And the Bible says God is love. I can't tell you how to love somebody. I will fool you if I'm going to tell you how to love somebody. Because if you don't know how to love somebody, then there's a problem I need to talk to Glenn Peckham about. <laughs> so, you know how to love somebody. Yeah, but they will receive my love. I don't know. They will receive it. Trust me. If you come today and give me a hug, I will receive it. But please, men, don't go give hug to women, Muslim women. Please, I beg you. Don't do those. And when you meet a family, the man talks to the man and the woman talks to the woman. Simple things. We can talk about those later on. We could have a nice coffee set up in Glenn's office and talk more in detail if you would like. But we are kingdom people. We follow the Bible that says God is love. He is sending them to this part of the world because he is changing the demographic picture of the world. Not Obama. Not the government. Not the next president. I don't know who, who would that be. Maybe tomorrow we'll have a flavor of that. We are called to be the salt and light. And salt and light role is to show the love of Jesus. We don't condemn. Please. When you find a friend at your work, at your family, at your group of friends, condemning them, say, why don't we look at them through the eyes of Jesus? Hey, you crazy, you don't understand. Yeah, be the crazy, be the fool for this world. Because he's sending them for a purpose. He's sending us for a purpose. I am one of them. Bless you guys. Okay, Emil, thank you. Um, you can see what I'm saying. What a gift we have in Emil and so many other brothers and sisters who are coming to us from all over the world. What a gift. I want to invite you guys, if you'd like to continue this conversation, I'm going to read this. This is why I'm texting in front of you. Um, the Q, Q series is kind of like a TED Talk type series, and we're privileged to be able to help host that this week. So this coming Thursday, there's an event called Q Commons, and it's going to be here in Colorado Springs at the Commons, where we have our new building space. Uh, Emil, the Center for the Islamic Center in Colorado Springs, and others are going to be speaking and presenting on this topic, around this general conversation. It's going to be in-depth. It's going to be very well done. Uh, this is this coming Thursday from 7 to 9 p.m. Basically, how do you care for the refugee and more? Uh, you can get your tickets at qcommons.com slash Colorado Springs. qcommons.com slash Colorado Springs. Emil will be around to keep ask, answering questions, talking with you guys. Uh, this, it's a wonderful thing that you're here and putting up with us talking.
So thank you. And Emil, thank you so much. I believe truly, the first week we said pray. Your action item is to pray. Just pray. I believe that God is going to cross your path with someone who's been sent here from another country. Maybe in a week, maybe in a year, maybe in two years, three years. And in that moment, you have an opportunity to love the vulnerable among us in a time where they're going to move more towards the direction of taking their cues from people who are going to feed them information that's of the enemy. Or they're going to move in the direction of understanding that there's such thing as love and his name is Jesus. And we have space there. So when you rub shoulders with someone at Walmart, when your coworker is communicating about people in a way that you know doesn't reflect Jesus. Open your eyes and, and do what Emil has said. Be a neighbor. Love. Just love. Okay? Okay, Father God, thank you for this morning. We love you and we need you to empower us. We can't just do this by trying hard. Holy Spirit, come and fill us with your likeness so we can be like you. We pray blessings over Emil, protection for him and his family. And we welcome all of our brothers and sisters from all over the world coming to Colorado Springs. Help us to see them and know them and give us wisdom and courage in the moment to welcome them with the love and hospitality of Jesus Christ. We love you and we praise you as the one true God. In Jesus' name, amen.